Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Through this podcast, we hope to challenge and equip you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus and in living and loving like Him. We have become accustomed to living in constant fear, paralyzed by the ever-growing list of things that make us afraid. This is no way to live. Thankfully, this state of fearful worry can be escaped. God's Word is full of commands to release fear. We can't elude the things that have the potential to create fear, but they do not have to lead to our ruin. Through faith, we can face all things, knowing God's promises are true and His power is sufficient. In Christ, we can live fearless. Well, all right. What's up, church? Come on. Oh, man, I missed y'all. Uh, it, 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 it was just, it was, I missed one Sunday, and it was just awful. I don't know how, I don't know how most of y'all miss so much church. I'm just going to be honest. I don't really, I don't understand, because uh, I need it, man. The moment that Ashley and the kids walked out of the house last week, just the overwhelming feeling of, like, I'm not going to be able to be at church today. And it wasn't just because I wasn't going to be able to, okay, it was because I wasn't going to be able to preach. That's part of it. But I'm glad that our church has so many phenomenal leaders that on 24 hours notice, they can step in here and just do amazing things. And although I didn't uh, get to preach last week, I promise not to preach as long as Jasmine did. Uh, but, man, I, I love the church. I don't mean this building. I mean, like, there's nothing special about this building, but there is something incredibly special about you people and what God is doing among this body. So can we just praise him one more time for his glory? Man. Wow. Uh, if you noticed something last week, if you've been here throughout the year, and um, you saw the series take a shift last week. And in case you weren't here and you missed it, the word that you see on the screens until last week was the word fearless. Because we've decided that as we move into 2020, we are going to stop allowing fear to dominate our lives. We are going to stop allowing fear to dominate our lives. We're not going to let it be a driving force or a limiting factor anymore. We're going to start moving beyond fear and walking in faith. And now, like I said from the very beginning, we're, we're not trying to fully eliminate fear because I've kind of posed that I don't believe that's possible. That, that fear is just a part of life because life has scary things in it. Come on. I don't know about you, but, but life is constantly throwing things in my path that scare me. And if you don't have some measure of fear in your life, I don't care how long you've been in church. I don't care how much of the Bible that you've read. I don't care how spiritual you believe yourself to be. There is no way that you can fully, completely eliminate all measure of fear from your life. And we say, yes, I can. Yes, I have. Go, go. Because life throws stuff at us that if it doesn't scare you, i got to question your sanity. <laughs> I mean, we walk through some things, and, and I've even submitted to you that I don't think that you can walk in faith and not experience some measure of fear. Because the very nature of walking in faith forces you out of comfort and toward the unknown, and that is scary. Amen, somebody. It's scary. And so we're not try trying to be completely fearless. And despite what we have been taught, just because fear is present does not mean faith is absent. And I know that's kind of the way some of us grew up, that we felt shame if we felt any measure of fear. 
Because faithful people, they, they, they're not supposed to be. Fear not, right? 366 of them in the Bible. One for every day of the year, including leap year. Like, fear not. And what I think the Bible is saying is, don't let fear push you to the point that you abandon faith. That even though fear is present, faith can also be present. They can coexist. That the, the way I put it is, faithful does not mean fearless. That faithful does not mean fearless. That what we're trying to do is even in the presence of fear, remain faithful. That even when life puts scary things in front of us, we don't allow them to cause us to be so fearful that we abandon our faith. That we can grow our faith to the point that it doesn't eliminate fear, but we elevate faith to the point that faith wins. That when those scary moments happen, when we stand at the crossroads and there's scary things in front of us and we get the opportunity to operate in fear or live by faith, that we will live by faith. We won't let the fear, the fear win. And that's at the very heart of what Joshua was told. And Joshua was, was, was being built in Joshua when you open up to Joshua chapter 1. Go to Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to be reading verse 9. Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Let me remind you of where we are. Here, Joshua, who has been watching Moses, this spiritual legend, this biblical legend for all these years, do all these things. Now Moses is gone and Joshua's time has come. He's about to be handed the baton of leadership, trying to move the nation of Israel to the place that for 40 years they have not been able to break through. And Moses, as great a leader as he was, has not yet been able to get them over that threshold. And now Joshua is about to be handed that task. And if you don't think that, if that didn't scare Joshua, Joshua wasn't aware of his situation. Because there are some things when God calls you to them, again, if it doesn't care, if it doesn't scare you, I got a question whether or not you understand. When you have kids, if you aren't scared a little bit, there's something wrong with you. When you step into marriage, if it doesn't scare you a little bit, something wrong with you. When you start a new job, even if it's a, a better paycheck, but you're walking into a completely new atmosphere, a different culture, and a bunch of new coworkers, if it doesn't bring a little bit of anxiety to your, to your spirit, you're probably on medication. <laughs> like, it's just the reality. And so J God knows this. And so knowing this, look at what he says to Joshua as he's stepping into the shoes that are going to be really large to fill. Can you imagine? Moses. Talk to the burning bush, let my people go, part the Red Sea, Moses. That's some big shoes to fill. And you got to know that, that Joshua's feeling overwhelmed by what God is calling him to. And so he says to Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That as Joshua steps into this new season of life, in this opening dialogue that we hear from God, as God's speaking into Joshua's life, there's not a moment that God asks Joshua to be fearless. But several times, he commands that he be courageous. And so, we've made the shift. Because the goal has never been to be fearless. The goal has always been to be courageous. Because the very word courageous means undeterred by danger or pain. That courageous people aren't absent of fear. They see the fear and still operate in faith. That's the kind of people that you're trying to be. 
is to see the scary things that we know life is going to throw at us at every turn and in every situation. But have, we've built this courageous faith that says, fear, I see you, but I'm going through you. Fear, I know you're there, but I'm not moving off track. Fear, I know that you're trying now to move me off the path of God's best for me, but I've built a courage in me because I know who I belong to, I know who I serve, and so even though there's fear, I've elevated my faith, I swallow up the fear, and I move forward. Here's the way I put it, this whole definition of courageous, faithful obedience in the midst of fearful circumstance. That's essentially what I think God was commanding of Joshua, that he would remain faithfully obedient even in the midst of fearful circumstance. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for yours, that you will be faithfully obedient to the one true God who loves you, died for you, and lives inside you, even in the midst of fearful circumstance. And there is no greater life than one lived in faithful obedience to God. You will never have fulfillment and joy unless you live a life in consistent, faithful obedience to God. That's the best way to spend your life. I know that there's going to be a lot of other options that you're going to, you're going to be tempting you to choose, but the only way to have the full, abundant life God wants for you is to walk in faithful obedience to him. And let me just say, if you walk in faithful, faithful obedience, it's still going to be hard. There's still going to be struggle there's still going to be difficulty. Jesus never said he'd make your life free of all these things. Jesus didn't die so your life could be easy. He died so your life could be better. He didn't give his life so you could have it easy. He gave his life so that you could have a better, abundant life. That's what he desires for you. But this is what I've discovered. Right, so how do, we, how, do we build, how do we build that kind of that kind of courage. Because this is what I've learned. Courage leaks. Courage leaks. Like I can have courage today and lose it tomorrow. Courage is not one of those set and forget kind of thing. Like you can't go through a single series and it give you all the courage you're going to need to live courageously the rest of this year. Because courage is, is, is not something that also just kind of happens in a moment. You don't say one prayer and accept Jesus into your life and all of a sudden have all the courage that you need to live in obedience to him. didn't happen for me. If it happened to you, again, something, something's not right. Like it just doesn't happen in an instant. There's not some magic potion that we drink and boom, we're these courageous people. Like the cowardly lion at the end of Wizard of Oz. You don't have just one little moment. Courage, courage, leak. Courage has to be continually built and replenished day by day by day by day. Who knows what I'm talking about? Because you constantly encounter things that want to suck that courage out of you, that want to poke holes in your courage cup and watch it leak out. And so you've got to constantly fill it. And you've got to engage in the things necessary. And, and here's the thing. Like, like if... If we move away, it's easy during a series like this to say, all right, I need that courage and I need that faith to overcome that, for, that, that, that fear. And for a series, engage in the disciplines necessary to build that courage, but then move on. 
to let life happen and, and, and kind of get out of rhythm and get off routine and stop doing the things that keep that courage level high. It's like today, like I can, I, even today, you can show up at church and, 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 and move and have a lot of courage when you leave here. But the courage you get this morning won't be enough courage to get you through tomorrow. It just won't. And anybody can do anything in the short term. But I'm talking, I don't want short-term courage. I don't want seasonal courage. I want sustainable courage. I don't want you to just have courage because we talked about it during this series and you have the courage to fight whatever sins, God's, whatever the life sins during this season. I'm talking about, I want you to have the kind of courage that six, six months from now, when things go sideways, you have courage then too. When we're not in this series, when we're not talking about these things. And for that to happen, things have got to, to change. Like things have got to change. Like, and this is what I deeply believe. There is no constant courage without consistent time in his word. Who knows that this is a source of courage? Testify somebody. Come on, somebody. Like this is a source of courage. But, and, and, and that's exactly why Joshua was told by God to stay in it. Remember, go back to Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. God says, keep, somebody say keep. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Do you even hear the language? Keep always day and night. Like Joshua, if you're going to be strong and courageous, like I'm commanding you to be, like this has got to be kept in your life, meditated on day and night. There's a lot of people in this room, the only scripture you read all week is on these screens on Sunday. If the only time you're reading the word is when you're reading it in here on Sunday, you will never be courageous enough to handle what life will throw at you. Keep this book of the law. Meditate on it day and night. Like, like courage leaks. And you can't just come to, to church every now and then and get inspired and worship and pray and sing and hear a good teaching and expect to overcome the fear that's on the way. If faith is going to rise above fear and courage is going to be sustained in your life, it's dependent on you Staying in those disciplines that build it, that keep you strong. And you know what I've discovered in my life and the life of most people I know? We can, we're really good at doing it for a little while. Come on, somebody. It's, it's January. Y'all all made them. New Year's resolutions. Anybody can eat keto for January. <laughs> but then here comes Valentine's, and he bought you some of them heart-shaped Krispy Kremes. Like anybody can do something in the short term. Like go to the gym right now. You can't, you can't get on a piece of equipment. Wait till February. <laughs> it's easy to engage in the things that create courage right now because we're talking about it. And it's right in front of us. But what if... 
the thing that you're going to need the most courage to deal with in your life is two years away. And maybe that's why he's trying to build it right now. Why is it that we have to wait till we get in it to learn anything? <laughs> when God's saying, I've been trying to teach you, that I saw this coming. There's some people, even in this series, your life is good. You're just in one of those seasons where there's not a whole lot of fearful. You're making enough money, relationships are good, things are good. And so for a lot of this series, you've checked out. But this series was for you, not for the season you're in now, but the season that's headed your way a year from now, but you didn't lean in. And so when it comes, fear will win instead of faith because you chose not to show up mentally in here during this series as we started 2020. It's just, like, it's just like we do a marriage series and, and single people think, well, I don't need this. Then you try to get married two years from now and because you didn't learn what God tried to teach you two years before, you get into that marriage and now you're screwing it up because you refused to learn when he tried to teach it to you before you ever got in it. <laughs> Courage. This book gives you and equips you with what's necessary to not just be courageous for a season but for a sustainable period. Here is where courage is found. And you don't even have to really go anywhere to get it. It's in the palm of your hand all the time. I know those phones are demonic in a lot of ways with Facebook and Instagram and all that nonsense. But maybe you need to delete every app but the Bible app for about the next 17 years. <laughs> and soak in the word of God. Because this is knowledge and understanding in the palm of my hand. And isn't those the two necessary things to overcome fear, knowledge and understanding? How, just think about that. How much knowledge and understanding disarms fear? You ever been afraid of something that, looking back, you can't figure out why you're afraid of it? You know, like going into it, like you, you're so afraid because, you, because, and the reality is you're afraid because a lack of knowledge and a lack of understanding. And anybody ever gone into something just scared to death and you come out and like, why was I so scared? really wasn't that bad. Come on. See, knowledge creates courage. And this is the only true source of knowledge and understanding. And when you dive into that, what you begin to learn is the thing necessary to elevate the faith over the fear and live the courageous life that God desires for you. And one of the things that God has been teaching me lately is the importance of understanding our enemy. See, the reason why fear is so present in our lives is because the reality is we have an enemy. Come on, somebody. We have an enemy. We have an adversary. The devil, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, and no, he is not blue, and he does not live in Durham. <laughs> Shut up, Carolina fans. Don't even start. Stop. We have an adversary, but we also have an ally. And what I see in this book is I get to learn about my, I get to know my ally and understand my adversary. And when I know my ally and understand my adversary, fear begins to less and less and less affect my life. And I begin to walk further firm in faith. And you need to, and see, you need to know this because see, your enemy is creating more fear in you than necessary. Because you know what I think tends to happen? We overestimate our 
adversary and underestimate our ally. One of the reasons why so many of us are so paralyzed by fear is we overestimate our adversary and underestimate our ally. We even create this thing in our mind as if God and the devil are in some type of eternal boxing match and they're just going back and forth and maybe one day God will win. It's almost like we look at God and the devil as Rocky and Apollo. Like trading punches, back and forth kind of battle. Can I just say that the, they are not even close to being on the same level. They don't even, the devil cannot even share the ring with your God. They are not on the same level. This is not some eternal back and forth battle. As a matter of fact, the devil is already defeated. He just doesn't know it yet. The moment Jesus walked out of the grave and crushed death in that moment, that was the moment that the devil was disarmed. So stop giving him so much credit. Now, look, I'm not saying he's not a worthy foe. I'm not saying underestimate him. But please stop overestimating him. In 1 Peter chapter 5, start verse 6. It says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he might lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Know your, know your ally. Know that he's there. Know he's mighty. Know that you can come to him. But be, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him standing firm in the faith. In those few verses, you get a good understanding of your ally and your adversary. No, first of all, notice that. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. He is not a lion. He's just trying to be. He is not that bold. He is not that courageous. He's a faker. He's a pretender. His roar is louder than his bite. Go back to that placeholder slide, guys. I want you to... We've intentionally put a lion under courageous, but can I tell you, you look more like that than your enemy does. Did, did you not get it? <laughs> you, the righteous, are as bold are as bold as lions. He's just a wannabe. You are much more lion-like than he will ever be. Why? Because the lion of Judah came and gave his life to eliminate the sin from your heart so the spirit could take up residence in it. And that same spirit that rose Jesus from the grave lives in the temple of your heart. And you are more powerful because of who he is than you will ever know. I'm going to drink some water since I'm preaching fire. but you can't underestimate him either. You need to know his tactics, but stop giving him so much credit. I hear people call me all the time, Matt, man, the devil, and I hear this from, I hear this from everybody. The devil's all over me this week. My car broke down, this happened, and all this stuff happened, and I'm and like, it's almost like you're giving, like, the devil credit for doing all that. The devil didn't make your car break down. 
It's a piece of junk and you ain't changed all in three years. That ain't the devil. That's you. I just feel awful all the time. You eat like crap and you never go to the gym and don't take care of your body. That's not the devil. That's you. It's easy to blame him when you don't want to take the responsibility. But understand, too, like he, he, can, he cannot create failure. He can only cause fear. Do you realize that the only time the devil was really allowed to do anything was to Job? And even then, he had to get God's permission. Stop giving him so much credit for things. Lord, Matt, pray, pray for my marriage is falling apart. The devil's all in it. No, you've treated her like crap for the last two years and neglected her. That's why your marriage is falling apart. Take responsibility and stop blaming the devil. Got personal? But see, what he can't create failure. But what he does is he comes in and tries to leverage those failures and create fear. Just try to get you to move from faith to flesh. And he doesn't cause those things. He sees those things. Those things happen because we live in a fallen, broken world, church. Come on. We live in a broken world and things happen. And, and he wants to come in and create fear in those issues. Because fear is how he gets you to abandon obedience. Fear is how he begins. See, he uses fear to counteract courage. The moment you start getting courageous, he starts bringing fear in so that you'll start doing the things that start forfeiting your courage. You with me? Go back to the nation of Israel last week. Jasmine told you that story. One of my favorite stories in all of scripture. The, the nation of Israel's camped on one side of the Jordan. Joshua was about to do really like his first real act of leadership. And God comes to Joshua and says, here's how I want this to happen. Tomorrow, consecrate yourselves. Tomorrow, the priests are going to pick up the Ark of the Covenant. They're going to lead the way. They're going to go to the banks of the Jordan. The moment they put their feet in those rushing rapid waters, because it's at flood stage, God's going to dam that river up all the way upstream. The, the, it, the priests are going to go holding the Ark of the Covenant, stand in the middle of that river, and as long as they're there, the water will be miles away, and the nation of Israel will be able to parade through. See, y'all look at me like that was so easy. <laughs> and see, what, see, where he starts is, he won't, see, obedience always precedes the miracle. And if he can keep you from being obedient, if he can get into the priest's ear and be like, hey, boys, y'all know that thing is heavy. Like, first of all, like, you really want us to, do, and notice the story, the water would not stop until they got their feet wet. They had to trust that they could step into that river. And if the river didn't stop flowing, it's going to wash. Because they're carrying this big box that weighed a ton. It's going to wash them down river. And they're, they're not going out there in a kayak. Okay? And, of course, everybody's saying, like, like, Moses used a staff. And now you're asking us to take a step. That doesn't seem fair. We want Moses back. And Joshua said, he's dead, so you got to listen to me. So let's go. And then, not, so if, if he can create enough fear and doubt to ever get you to take a step of faith, walk in obedience, then he can win. But you need to know this. The enemy isn't divine, but he's diligent. You hear me? Even when he feels defeated, he's still diligent. Like, he, he doesn't give up. See, he doesn't stop when, when you act in obedience. He doesn't think, oh, lost. Okay, on to the next person. He's still messing with you because if he can't get you in front of it, he'll try to get you in the middle of it. 
You don't think there was a moment when those priests are standing in the middle of that, that, that riverbed and they're holding this big, big old box. And you got to understand, they were probably standing there holding that thing for hours. Because the nation of Israel wasn't 15 people. It was thousands and thousands of people. So they're standing there holding this thing while this parade longer than the Ashburn Christmas parade. That thing goes on forever. It's just going and going and going. And you don't think there were moments where they look at each other and like, I don't think I can hold this anymore. You ever been there? God, I've been here for so long, I feel like my spirit is about to give out. I don't know how much longer I can hold it. And God just says, a little longer till I tell you to move. And you know, that parade's coming. There's a bunch of kids. They running around. Somebody's kids trying to walk up to the water and go, ooh, daddy. You know, it's, it's a long time. They're looking over their shoulder thinking, you know what? If this thing breaks now, we're toast. But we're going to stand here and we're going to trust God. All the while, the image is saying, you know what? If you don't let that thing go, the water's going to get you. Just drop it. Most of the people at a cross, forget about the rest. Just go. See, he tries to get you to keep from taking the step, but he also tries to get you in the middle of it to give up before God has said so. But y'all know the story we looked at last week. He, he gets across and all the nation gets across and then the water goes down and then they have this big celebration, don't they? They choose 12 men. They take 12 stones as this monument to the miracle. These men go and they set up these stones so that generation after generation, it would supposed to serve as a reminder that that day God did something powerful. Joshua 4, 23, for the Lord your God dried up the Jordan before you until you had crossed over. The Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us until we had crossed over. That once again, Obedience preceded the miracle that we did our part and God did his. That God showed up and did amazing, miraculous things. And now here's the thing, though. It's easy to see that and think everything's good now, right? Like everything's good now. But I would submit to you, they're, they're out of the river, but they're still in danger. See, the enemy's not gonna, gonna, gonna give up. He's not divine, but he's diligent. And if he can't get you before it, he'll try to mess with you in it. And if he can't get with, mess with you in it, he'll come after you afterward. And I would submit to you that in victory, you are most vulnerable. In victory, we are most vulnerable. No, Matt, like that's when we're celebrating and we're high-fiving and we're having a party. Like the devil is defeated. But I would submit in victory, you are most vulnerable. That miracles Obedience precedes the miracle, but temptation will follow it. The enemy's still not done. Because, see, he will, if he can't get you to lose focus in it, he will try to get you to lose perspective after it. It's easy to stay focused in it and then lose perspective after it. It's easy to trust God and acknowledge our dependence on God and talk about how awesome God is while we're in it, while he's working, and then get on the other side and think, look what I did. Oh, don't look at me like that. See, what he's going to do now is as they're celebrating God, they're honoring God, the devil's coming in like, why are you honoring him for? You're the one that was willing to get in the water. You know, you know what? Hey, hey, Fred, I don't know if the priest, first one is telling the water, Fred. 
you were the first one to put your foot in the water. You need to get, you need to get some credit. You need a stone. You stood out there all that time holding that ark. Your arms were shaking. And you know what? Not a single Israelite walking by even thanked you for doing it. I am preaching as real as I ever have right now in this moment. Come on, somebody. Like, and, and you can, and it's, see, the devil's trying to even get in there. In victory, we are most vulnerable. And we can stay focused all the way through it. Then on the other side, lose perspective on it and start building ourselves up instead of building up the one who can impart the courage that we need for what's coming next. And next thing you know, the very miracle that was intended to build godly courage has just built misguided self-confidence. And what was supposed to build dependence on him has only made us more reliant on us. And we start thinking, yeah, you're right. Yeah, I did did that. And that's why God very clearly says, see, don't forget, Joshua, Joshua chapter 4, verse 24. Don't forget that he, God, he did this so that all the peoples of the earth might know that the hand of God is powerful and so that you might always fear the Lord. Like just to clarify, Joshua, he didn't do this so that everybody would think you're great. He didn't do this so that you could build some misplaced, misguided self-confidence. He didn't do this so that he could add to your accomplishments. He did this so that he could affirm his authority. That he did this so that all the peoples on the earth might know that y'all are special. No, so that he might know that the Lord is powerful. See, this is the way God gave it to me. If you take the credit, you will misplace your confidence and eventually forfeit your courage. If on the other side of the miracle, the enemy, what's he want? If, if he can't get you to not go, he'll get you to give up in the middle. If he can't get you to give up on the middle, he'll get you to try to steal the glory from God on the other side. Because he knows when you do that, you take the credit, you misplace your confidence, and you forfeit your courage. You know why? Because then the next time something happens, why will you believe he can if you've convinced yourself you did? Courageous people know that courageous is not something that you set and forget. It is continuously built moment by moment, day by day. And as you dive into the word and you begin to understand your ally and your adversary, you begin to see the difference between the two. That your adversary is not divine, but he is diligent. And at every step, he's trying to get you to move the focus off God. Today, you decide not to let that happen anymore. If you bow your heads, close your eyes with me. I don't know where on the continuum you are. I don't know if right now the enemy's trying to build so much fear that you're not willing to take a step, you're not willing to put your toe in the water, that for a while now, like he's been trying to get you to lose focus and not move forward. I don't know, maybe you're in the middle of it and you're growing weary. Your arms are shaking because you've been in there so long and the enemy's trying to convince you to give up when God's saying, stay. Or maybe you're on the other side and in celebration, you've lost sight of perspective and you started trying to rob God of the glory that only belongs to him. And if you do that, you will forfeit courage.
What I know is God is here and he wants to teach you some things and he wants to impart wisdom and courage. Not so that the fear is eliminated, but so that the faith is elevated so you can step forward. So God, I pray that right now in this moment, in this place, you would work. That people would not be in a hurry just to get out of this room, but be in a hurry to listen to you to lean into your voice because right now is that moment, God, when you want to take what's been delivered, your word out, and you want to get people to wrestle with it in a way that allows them to just apply it before they get out of this room and the enemy tries to snatch it away. So God, work and move and speak. Help people to lean into your voice. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. Stay connected with what's happening at Vintage by downloading the Vintage Church app, where you have access to sermon notes, upcoming events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to connect in community. You'll also have access to our deeper podcast, which is a conversational deep dive into the message from the weekend. We hope you join us again soon.